one thing that a lot of us take for granted is our health. And we know when we go to sleep, there's a very good chance that we'll wake up in the morning. My next guest is Dennis and Luis. They are a couple from Sweden, and they both have a degenerative disease that makes them see life a bit differently. They speak to me about what it means to live a slow life. I am Michael Hageman, and this is Allocated. Hello and welcome to Allocated. Today we have Dennis and Luis on the show. How are you guys? Very well, thank you. Very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad. It's a, it's a little warm in Iowa, so I'm, I'm dealing with a little bit of the heat. And also, you guys are the first show that is overseas. Would you like to tell us where you are? Yes, we're in the Netherlands at the moment. What's, I just came back from Sweden. Yeah, because I know you go between both the countries, right? Right, exactly. So we've been in Sweden now for a while, and now last week we came back here to the Netherlands where we have a house, and we have a house in Sweden. And where do you call home? Uh, well... Both in Sweden and Holland, I think. Yeah. Feels like home. Yeah. I mm. think just where we are at the moment, that that feels like home. We it, make that home. It's actually. interesting, actually, because I don't feel... Um, I feel Sweden like it's it's my home, but I don't have this special feeling that I have to be there or something. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be in Holland too. Yeah, so. I feel the same. Yeah. Gotcha. And um, you guys contacted me on Instagram and you had a very um, interesting story and a very unique relationship as well. Uh, could you start by telling us a little bit, a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, um, I'm Mette Louise, but most people can't say my name, so I just go by Louise. Um, I grew up in the Far East, so Hong Kong, Korea, Indonesia. And in my teens, I moved to Holland, to the Netherlands, where my parents are from. Um, I did actually the whole, you know, what you're supposed to do. You know, you go to school, you get the whole life that people expect from you. You know, you, you get married, you build a company. I had children very young, so I have two sons who are 23 and 20. And um, then in my late 30s, I got the MS diagnosis and actually everything that I had built up, you know, the ambitions and everything that you have, the estate that I had and um, sort of disappeared. I had a a partner at that time who couldn't, a a narcissist partner who couldn't deal with my uh, diagnosis of MS. And he became very abusive and left. And actually from that Mm. time, I lost everything that I had. And I had to start over, actually, with my disease, living with my disease. And uh, from that time, I lived with existential crisis, actually, and I'm sort of, you know, uh, recovering still from that. And also learning to live with MS, um, which is not easy, but I'm learning. So uh, that would be my backstory. And that's, of course, ties into how we met uh, years ago. Yeah. I am brought up at the countryside in Sweden, um, and uh, I think I've been doing art and music for the most time of my life, and also working as a painter, not like an artist painter, but painting walls and houses. I uh, had my own company, but um, I have also been struggling with a uh, difficult relationship, and I had uh, a heart attack during when I was working. So suddenly everything changed for me too. So I had to change my life and try to cope with the heart condition I have now uh, because it's serious. So I don't have any choice than to take it easy or try to take it easy. When we started to talk to each other through internet, I think we also connected because of our diseases, I think. So that's one of the things we have in common. Yeah, for sure. And you said that you guys both met on the internet. And I know you mentioned before, Dennis, that you had a podcast about knitting, which I never thought about. You know, people had a podcast on knitting. So I found that very interesting. Uh, Is that how you two met? Yeah, actually, I think so that you were watching my podcast. Yeah, it was like six, seven years ago that we we connected actually via when he was working on the podcast. And we, yeah, kind of, we stayed in contact all those years and the contact actually inten- intensified, especially because um, we connected over 
you know, how it is to live. And, you know, with the disease, also we have uh, same background in having um, uh, gone through certain abuse in relationships and we connected and, and our, actually our, our, our communication grew and grew. Um, and we supported each other a lot through that, through the past years. And that became stronger and stronger. And at some point we decided, well, you know, it's kind of strange. We're still doing this via FaceTime every single day. And, you know, when, when, mm. uh, and then had a second heart attack and, um, at some point, you know, it's maybe would be a good idea if we took care of each other live and not only via FaceTime in two countries. So that's when we, uh, actually came out in a way. <laughs> And, yeah. and we just decided we're going to spend uh, our time together and take care of each other until we don't. And that might be because one of us is no longer there or, um, so it's in that sense, we've committed to each other to be with each other as long as that works. And that helps us. Was there a moment like a, like a aha moment or like when it finally clicked when you're like, I, when when you made the switch from the FaceTiming every day to you're like, I, we got to do this live. You know, was there a moment or uh, an instance where it just clicked? You're like, this is going to make sense. And you made the, the change for that. Yeah. I think we were, uh, uh, I think you said, but I have to come to Sweden. Yeah. And, and we should, we should we're going to have a date with that, but <laughs> the date was, Oh yeah. To be <laughs> one week in my house. So, yeah. so seven days dating, it was, kind of nice actually yeah but it was it, it was I, I guess um the relationship had already become so uh close and i was going to come and see the island and you know but it was already so close and i think for me the time was when you had your operation and i had to come and help him with his operation you know because being in the hospital and i i couldn't at that time and that was so killing for you and for me because you are, you know, so close to someone and someone's lying in hospital having a heart operation mm. and you're waiting for a, it was ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. So we thought this, we can't do it like this. Oh, so maybe it was that time that you decided that. I yeah, I thought that, or, yeah, it yeah. was, well, it was before because, but mm. it, it was just so, it, it worked via FaceTime for a long time. And via calling and via texting and, you know, that, that you can support each other. How was your day and how, but the, the calls got longer and longer. And, you know, also we're both really bad at taking our medication on time. Mm. It's really silly. And every time I said, did you take your medication? And, and then he said, no, I forgot. And he would, t and then I forgot it, you know? So, it, so in that way, in that way, we're like helping each other. But at some point it was like, this is ridiculous. We have to do something about this and see. And then when I came to the islands, cause, uh, in Sweden, we live on an island. Uh, we said, we're just going to do this until we don't. And I guess that was that. Yeah. We <laughs> committed in that way. Isn't it a lot better? Isn't it a lot better to have accountability in person versus, you know, through video, you know, going from the, did you take your pills or did you do this? And now it's like, you wake up and you're like, Oh, you're right there. And now you're, now you're yeah. reminding me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is actually. That's it's, gotta be, that's yeah. gotta be it's a bit a of a change. <laughs> it is. It's, it just, is. it's a special feeling to go from um, FaceTime to reality, actually. Mm. And you don't mm. want to go back to FaceTime. Often. No, that was also a thing mm. that, and we'd been doing it for such a long time. It, it was kind of normal. It was like a part of the day in a way. And, but yeah, when, once you then live, it's so much also because you can see someone's, for instance, someone's skin tone from, are you feeling okay? Because very often mm -hmm. you would ask, and Dennis would ask me, are you okay? And I'm, mm -hmm. and then you have to look through a screen and think, mm, are you, you know, mm. and I think that also ties in with that. We've chosen to, uh, we are brutally honest with each other about everything, everything. So even if it's not nice. If it's not, um, that's really difficult. It sounds like a very simple thing to do, but it's very difficult to be 100% honest with someone, but we have to be because if Dennis says, yeah, I'm fine, but there's actually something going on that can be life-threatening actually. Mm. Yeah. If you ask me if I'm okay, I, I always say, yes, I'm okay. You know, like, I don't think it's a thing that we men do. We say, I'm okay. Even if, you know, I'm, I'm bleeding from my head or something, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I can't do that. 
I have to tell her the truth, exactly how I feel, and we do it. You yeah. do it too. So, so we can't be, you know, lying about it because it could be dangerous. Yeah. That, and I'm sure she could tell when you're lying too, right? Very much. Oh my God, yes, she can. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. We had already, I think, through the phone. You already knew we pick, you know, pick up face. I mean, you already see through the screen. Yep. If I was on or off, what, what the day was, you know, because even uh, the air pressure will change my, my state of health, like with you with heat, but, so you, yep. but, but live is better because you can actually see someone's skin tone or you, much better, or you can see, you know, and it's the hanging up thing. That's always really scary, especially if you're really unwell. Oh. I've had some instances I was really unwell and you have to hang up and that's really, that's not fun. So, um, Yeah. We don't do that anymore. We don't hang up. No. Okay, we're going to go right into the uh, the questions here. How has your perspective on love and relationships evolved throughout your journey with illness? Uh, I would say like we were talking about honesty, uh, that you have to be honest to each other. Uh, I think that's the most important thing um, uh, because we don't have time for anything else. We don't know what's going to happen, and we are sick. Uh, we don't. I don't think we define ourselves as sick. No. Uh, but we have to take care of ourselves. Uh, um, so that's the thing that we are honest about uh, the illness, and also I am very protective uh, by our love by Louise. I'm very protective about that. We really have a nice time. We don't have time for uh, unnecessary argument or something. So that's very important for me. I actually very... never have any. No, we don't. We uh, are just not not that not that there's things that we don't agree on, but we just don't have time or energy actually for like arguments or uh, if Dennis would put something wrong in the cabinet or something. That's really that's we don't have time, <laughs> no energy for that. So we don't have those things. And if there's anything that like would trigger us or or bother us, we say it immediately. I mean that ties in with the with the being brutally honest with each other. Like, I don't like that that happened. But we're also, I think, both really aware of our own triggers. Yeah. And we don't mm. put our own trigger, our triggers on the other person. You know, if I get irritated, that's my irritation. That's nothing to do with him, actually. And I think because we, we don't have the time and energy for that, we know that life is really precious. And, you know, we, we don't know how much time we actually have. And so we don't spend time doing, you know, crazy shit, crazy shit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we just keep it cool. And, um, we're, I guess we we're both on a journey. I'm on my journey in my life and he is, and we just decided to walk it together yeah. and we help each other. Has that journey evolved or changed since you've uh, met each other? Um, I th the only thing uh, is that we have, we have similar interests. So we are actually helping each other with those interests now. Uh, mm -hmm. So we do things together. Uh, that's the thing. We have PR2, so it's more fun. Yeah, I guess, yeah. But I don't think, I think we both had the same outlook. Um, mm. you know, well, living with, with a degenerative disease, like both of us, um, it's sometimes you could think maybe it's not fair to have a partner, you know, because mm. a person has to put up with whatever comes. and. Um, but I think we both don't, don't think you could say that, but we don't think that way. And very often, you know, I might be not well, but I'd rather have him well, for instance. And, um, I don't know if it's changed our perspective. We both had the same outlook, I guess, on that. And that just matches. It doesn't make it easy though. It's not like, like, oh no, it matches. And now, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to watch another person suffer and be ill every single day. That's hard. I bet. Um, earlier when you mentioned, there's one thing I keep thinking and going back to is now when you said as compared to when you were uh, uh, FaceTime is now you don't have to hang up. Is there, uh, do you find that it's easy to often overthink sometimes some stuff that you do together where you're like, you know, I could do this today or I could do that tomorrow or I could do that next month but you have to kind of prioritize what you want to do first because you don't know if you're going to uh, be alive at that moment to enjoy it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You prioritize, actually. You yeah. 
I think that's also because we don't fight so much or put energy on stuff that we get irritated because we get irritated, of course, uh, you do, but we, we kind of, I think we handle it in a way that we, we know every day that we have to take care of each other because we don't know what's going to happen. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think we don't do like what you say, uh, Michael, is that we do this today or that tomorrow, that next week, I guess in important to us and and what we have energy for i mean it's not like we mm. have a party every, i mean we we post things on instagram and that looks maybe really nice but that's maybe half an hour of a week and the rest no one knows about the rest of the week which has not been easy for instance and i'm doing quite reasonably quite well at the moment i mean i can we can travel uh Dennis is not doing so well so uh that's in a way a good thing so that one of us is reasonably okay, the other one, you know? Yeah, we, we do the stuff that we think also are fun or that we like mm. to do. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and it's maybe easy to say uh, because people don't have time maybe to do what they want to do because they have to work and do stuff. And right now, we don't actually have to work, uh, but we're on sick leave. And, of course, I don't want to be on sick leave, but I have no uh, – it's the only thing I can do. Right. Yeah. But we pray our thoughts. Um, we, we try to do the things that we love, I think. Yeah. And what we can and what we love to do. I mean, yeah. there's no sense in doing things that you don't like to do if you. But we right. realize that's not for everybody. You know, I, we, that there's a lot of people don't have the space to say, oh, I'm just going to do what I love to do because people need to work and people need to do the things, you know, to take care of themselves. Yeah, unfortunately, we gotta do the whole work thing, and you know that that gets old after a while. It really does. <laughs> it really, it really does get old. Um, yeah. Are there any misconceptions or stereotypes surrounding terminal illness that you'd like to address or challenge that you may have gotten in the past? Yeah, for sure. I think um, one thing that I think we both have really met is um, people get really uncomfortable when when you're ill. I mean, we're all going to die. We're all in the mm -hmm. same waiting room. We're all in the same place, except when people hear about that you're not well, we're more um, confronted with our mortality, actually. You know, if, if you live with some of the heart disease and heart failure and, and arrhythmia every day, they don't know if they're waking up the next morning. I don't know if he's waking up the next morning. You live with that every day. So you're faced with your mor mortality every day. And I think especially when people are younger, they think, oh, in 10 years time, I'm going to do this and that. We, we don't think like that at all anymore. Not, not that it's bad. I understand you, need, you make plans, you make you know, projections for the future. That's normal. But we actually can't do that. And we, we don't do that anymore. And uh, sometimes I laugh. People say, yeah, if I die, I'm going, yeah, I want the I think, no, no, if I die, you are going to die. But it's, you know, people think like that. They, they just, I don't know. And, but we're all in the same room. We're all going to die. And I think that's a misconception that people get uncomfortable when they hear they're ill and they say, oh, you're just, you know, manifesting this disease because you speak about it and you live with it or you're, uh, you know. Maybe it's your medications. It's your medications make are making or, you sick. Or, you know, and, and, but it's just people try in that way, I think, to get rid of their own uncomfortability. You know, saying, oh, you're just, maybe you should just, you know, move a little bit more. Then maybe you'll feel better. <laughs> well, believe me, if, if that would be the solution, we'd be doing it every day. That, that's not how it works. You know, or maybe you should get that kind of uh, a medication. And, and we think, well, if the smart doctors thought that would help, maybe, you know, they, they would have prescribed that. So, but we think people um, that we speak to sometimes, they just try to get rid of their own uncomfortability with more, with mortality. And I think that is something we live with. And I'm not half as good as, as you are. I, I struggle with that a lot. Um, but you're better at it, I think, that to, to accept, you know, that part of life, that's also part of life. How have you managed to find peace and acceptance within yourselves during the most difficult moments? I haven't. <laughs> you haven't. I haven't. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, I panic a lot. Uh, mm. I haven't. I struggle a lot with that. And uh, like I just said, Dennis is is way further on the line with that. And um, I think when I'm get really ill and like I can't move or I have to go an MRI, which I've had to done do for years, and 
I still find that very difficult. Um, there is a place in yourself that you can go where it's really quiet. You know, sometimes you, you hear people, for instance, that go through uh, tr certain traumas that they uh, go in themselves and they don't feel anything anymore and, and it's quiet and you can go to that place. But I struggle a lot with, so I, I haven't actually found much peace with that. And I think you are. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm not afraid to, to, to die anymore. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm normal afraid that you have to be because you have to make sure you're not in an accident or something. But I have this uh, feeling of um, calmness or peace about it. Uh, I don't think it's, it, uh, I'm not afraid, actually. And I do, that's, that's a triggering thing to say to people because people don't like to hear that. I don't really know why, because uh, it's not like I have given up or something. Uh, but I'm just, uh, it feels okay, you know. Yeah. I, I, I find, I find that difficult here also, because sometimes it, like what he's, like what Dennis says, it's, um, like he's fine to die now, but that's not what you mean. No. And because no. I still struggle with that, with that in myself, it's sometimes difficult to hear, but I also hope that I can reach that sometime. And see, and I know that you um, that you guys do uh, do have some creative expression. Uh, Dennis, I know that that you paint and you draw. And uh, Luis, I honestly don't know if I caught if there's something. If you also uh, enjoy the arts, but um, you guys want to talk about what you do for expression, and maybe if you do any type of spreading awareness, or because I don't know if you have you spoken to anybody on a larger scale about your terminal illness or is this the first time? Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've talked about it on my Instagram account. Uh, so people know because I wanted to actually, I did it for myself in the beginning. Mm. And I think it, uh, I think it's positive to do. I have some bad comments sometimes, but al almost it's, it's good comments. And I, um, like to talk about it and what it means to be in hospital and, and hospital care. Uh, so I have been spoken about it. You not so much, I think. No, I haven't. I haven't. It's um, that's maybe to do also with you know accepting it, and also I haven't really. It's on my Instagram, but I find it harder to express that. You really show like in being in the hospital and talking about, and also your your followers really want to know. They're very interested and very. Um, uh, I think supportive. very supportive yeah. also uh, about because you're very vocal about and I haven't been that vocal, but we are in, actually in the process of changing our Instagram. We've spoken a lot about it because we want to express more like art, your drawings and your paintings, uh, my knitting patterns that I do, uh, poetry, right, to, to really incorporate that in Instagram because we love actually the platform for expressing because it is, is a way for us to, in a way, um, capture our life seems very overly dramatic for an Instagram for, for a social media platform, but it, it's a way for us to express our life. So we do that, I guess, a lot of it in our stories. So we just make pictures and stories, for instance, and sometimes we make a reel or we're in the process of changing that and changing it more to the art and more to the poetry and that, uh, and also expressing the slow life, what, what we, uh, what we practice because we have to, and we're going to, uh, over both um both our instagram accounts spread that more and i think yeah. i have uh, you know uh, when we were starting the the, the interview uh our mic that doesn't work that didn't work so um, uh, i mean you could get stressed over that but we're not like mm -hmm. i can't get stressed because my heart condition not allowed it so we just you know go with the flow i think um and then we tried it and we make it work so the stress thing is also off the yeah, it's off the table. Off for the us. table, <clears throat> especially for me, I think. No. So, uh, Luis, you write poetry. I do actually. I've never really. I've uh, very recently, and I think in February, I tried to you know post it. So I, I think it's a very personal thing, mm. and I've writ written quite some things, but I've never really posted it because it feels very vulnerable. I think like what you do as well. And I've put some things on, but um, I'm, it's more of a process that I'm going to 
share that more and add it to the Instagram account and incorporate it with reels and with like B-roll footage that we make because we make a lot of lot we do a lot of photography a lot of filming because it's a way for us to capture memories and moments and um the life that that we lead and that we're um yeah the slow life that we we are leading say because i i do know for a fact that when you're ready to post your poetry i know a lot of people would appreciate it Mm, yeah absolutely yeah is poetry the expression of words, especially you know, coming authentically from anybody in in any difficult situation, or even just life in general? How people put their their words together, and you know, in their certain order and their spacing, and you know, like choosing this word over you know maybe of like a noun or a verb, and this like almost like a prompt. It's um, it's a very big art form, and I. I, w- I would love to read your poetry someday. So hopefully, I'm, I'm I'm hoping I'm crossing my fingers that I see that on your page or that it pops up on my phone sometime. And um, yeah, I, I hope to I hope to be able to to do that. I, I'm it's a process. I've I've done something, but mm. I'm it's also I want to find the right format in a way. But you're right. I've like I love following the um, accounts that have like their poetry, like yours. But there are several others that really um, that really touch me, and it helps you in a way also because it opens a space to think about certain things about your own life. I really, I really appreciate that. I think that poetry is one of the most important things in life, actually. It's an expression of, of, you know, human. No, everything. Yeah. What it's like to be a human or, or mm, yeah. in universe. Mm. I a hundred percent agree with that. And I also, I've relate poetry a lot to painting and drawing. And, yeah. um, like for instance, my favorite, um, uh, my favorite artist is uh, Van Gogh, mm. and um, Van Gogh, and I, I there's a um, I do, I do like Monet just because I like the impressionism and I like the dots, you know, and everything. And um, but my all time favorite painting I'd have to say is Starry Night, and it's on my list to see that painting some sometime before I go. Well, but you need to it's, visit us then, because it's at the Lou, isn't it? No, it, it's it's in Holland, isn't it? Is it in Holland or is it in Paris? I honestly have no idea where it is. For some reason, I thought it was either at the Lou or it was in New York City. Hmm. You'd have to look it up then. I may have to Google that. But I (laughs) I would like to see that sometime, you know, sometime before I have to go, just because of the fact of, you know, because he was in the insane asylum and completed over several days where, like, you know, the stars and the sun got, you know, kind of woven together and how it looks all crazy because you know it's deteriorating a little bit up there is it, the story behind painting versus i guess not verses but also including poetry it's uh it's absolutely beautiful because you know each person is 100 percent different like i could i could tell you something to paint you know i could tell 100 people you know something to paint or write about and nothing's going to be the same you know it doesn't mean that everybody's stuff is either good or bad but you know the authenticity and artistic expression or expression in general i think a lot of people often overlook that you know even if you're in a good time or a bad time expression is it's very healthy and you know some people might say it's not natural just because they may be you know not open to any sort of criticism but i do challenge i would like to see some of your poetry even even if you just send it in a message i'm cool with that but <laughs> you know you'll 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 get there eventually and if you need some help you could always ask about posting and um, 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 Louise, she she took me to um, to see Rembrandt in Amsterdam. Yeah, that was a magical moment for me. Yeah, to see Rembrandt painting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun day, though. It was yeah, it was very ho- it was difficult because because traveling to Amsterdam, going through Amsterdam, seeing the the museum and the painting, he wanted to see Rembrandt. That was like a lifelong wish, and then traveling back was very well almost like stressful it was it was a lot so it took a lot of time also to to um recover from that but um we made a reel actually it's on instagram we made a reel about it it looks very nice but it was it was a stressful day but it was also one of your dreams to go and see that painting it was it was magical actually mm-hmm. a very specific mm-hmm. painting that was there that you wanted to see yeah self-portrait yeah i guess a yes. little bit in the same as what um 
as what Michael is describing. Mm -hmm. That's that's what you felt about it. I bet that that would be a bit life changing to see something like that. And going back to that that reel, because I know specifically what exactly which reel you're talking about. I remember you mentioned before about how people, you know, you might see that reel or you see some of your photos. You're like, oh, this is so awesome, you know. They must be having a good time, but there's a part behind that video and that photo that was um, a lot of stress, took a lot of energy, and I'm sure there may have been doubt where you didn't know if you'd be able to complete the video or the photo. Do you want to walk through that process? Yeah, that's interesting, actually. <laughs> you begin or yeah. Well, well, first of all, it's <laughs> no. I think you had this whole nice idea that now would be in a nice dress and we'd go and it would be so you know mm. no that's not how it works no I, I was prepared that you know she's gonna have this beautiful dress i'm gonna go to amsterdam and it's gonna be very nice and romantic and i had all this real in my head and then she comes you know she has this uh what do you call it yeah, yeah like, like just a, a fanny pack like yeah. in a way to, for all these kind of things we need we need all kind of yeah, stuff and backpack and a hoodie yeah <laughs> so everything was like up that's not gonna not and you, uh, I don't know, you Dutch people, but when you uh, arrive to Holland, you got this, you know, face like Dutch face. Dutch face. <laughs> so, uh, and, and then we filmed a lot, you know? Yeah. And we really tried, and I think this is not going to go. It's not going to go like I, but we filmed a lot and it felt like crap. Yeah. But then we, you, you know, did it and it was beautiful. Yeah, so and also was, Amsterdam is very chaotic. Yeah, it's it's very mm. chaotic, and it was funny because of course everyone said, "Oh, you're going to Amsterdam? Oh, you're gonna you know go to the coffee shops and there's uh, you know the the legal drugs and stuff." And every time I have to say, "It's not like that. It's not like everyone on the street is just, you know like everyone in the world thinks it's like it's not like that." So, um, but, uh, it was <laughs> the actually. moment we stepped off the <laughs> it train. Was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and we walked all the way to the Rijksmuseum and. I think I was high actually when I arrived. by the fumes. It was the whole way. Mm. It was I was like I have to, I can't I can't believe this. Yeah, Dennis must now think this is oh this is uh, you know you Dutch people right. So it was like the whole way there, but it was it it was chaotic and it was a it was a walk for us. But it was actually in hindsight looking at the footage and so fantastic to do those uh, memories when you film everything. Yeah. Uh, and you think you don't have anything because it was stressful and it was crazy. And, you know, yeah. you, you know how they bicycle in Amsterdam. They're like totally mad. They're very good, dude. But because I thought I'm going to die several times <laughs> because they were you know, flying away on their bikes. <laughs> and she saved my life several times. Um, and I think this is not going to go down well, but it was a beautiful reel afterwards. And it was yeah. not very nice to look at. But there was a lot of, uh, not not so much work, but the thing is, you know, we, we're not that fit. So we need to stop. We need to eat something. Are we, you know, are we hydrated? It's, it sounds a bit fanatic, yeah. but um, so that's going on while we're making this reel. And it's maybe 30 seconds or 45 seconds, but the what make it, you think, why would you go through this to make the reel? It's not for the reel, it's for the experience. And, and we make the reels. I think no one looks at our reels as much as we do ourselves because that's our memory. In in those moments, those moments are very stressful and we actually miss half of it because we photograph and film a lot. That's when we get to actually, you know, at home enjoy Amsterdam because we film a lot. and we and, But in the moment itself, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to be careful. We have to, you know, make sure we don't get dizzy or other things. So we get to actually relive it while when we make our reel or when we make pictures or when we post pictures, that's when we get to enjoy Amsterdam or whatever we, we filmed or made pictures of. Dennis, can you do the Dutch face again? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> I think it is like that. No, it's it? not. For anybody listening on here, if you if you are not on Spotify watching, I would suggest that you you watch this point in the video because that was that was classic. And yeah. I I do like Dennis how you said that you mentioned or how you saw Amsterdam as you know dressing up in a dress, being all romantic, you know, and not, not you, of course, Louise. <laughs> but, you know, it's okay, but you know, <laughs> and, she um, was with her you know beautiful hair and and you know. It's, you know, drinking coffee, and I was like, it was fucking no like that. You know, <laughs> it was a hoodie, and, and, but it went, it was beautiful. Yeah, but, yeah. but you need to be practical. <laughs> you you mm -hmm. can't be like this, you know, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Next time, maybe. <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> Great. And uh, that goes to the next one here. Are, are there any specific goals or dreams that you've set for yourselves, uh, whether as a couple, uh, big or small, that you still hope to achieve? Um, well, actually, we, we don't. We'd like to be in, in as good as health as possible. So that's what we work on every day. That, that I think you could call a goal. Um, Health is um, yeah. Nothing. Without health, you don't have anything. It's no. another thing. People mm. that are just normal, healthy every day, um, you can have big plans and big ideas about your life. But if you don't have health, you don't have anything. So health is absolutely the most important no thing. Yeah, there's nothing more important actually than than health. Everyone knows as soon as you have the flu, everything stops. So, and I think health is a goal we have. But that's that's we you know we try to get as healthy. As possible, you can have dreams in your head, and you can, you know, uh, dream about things. It, it don't has to be reality. The dreams don't have to be. Uh, um, how do you say? They don't have to like materialize. No, no. they can just live there. Yeah, in mm. your mind, and like we're like sometimes talking about this house that we dream out. We're 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 not gonna we're not gonna pursue it. But it's just this oh this would look really nice in the castle in the clouds, which is the house that we then speak about. But you know, it's not gonna if it happens, that's great, but we're not we're not we don't pursue it because we live very much now because we don't know about tomorrow or the day after. So we don't in that sense have goals, oh in, in a year we want that or in ten years we want that. And also I think we're we have everything. We don't have like big wishes or dreams we don't want a different house or, or a car or or you know we have roof. i have a car yes we have cars but we My don't car is very old but yes it's yeah. an old it's a it's a, it's a young timer it's 84 or 86 yeah, yeah, or something yeah. and but we have everything we need we, we have we have a car we have a roof over our heads we have enough money for food and drink and our you know our sons we Dennis has two sons. I have two sons. You know, they're in good health and they're well. And that's actually all that you need. We don't need anything else, you know. No, and it's very, you know, it's not so expensive to have a, a, a castle in the clouds because uh, you can dream about that castle and that house and you can we can talk about it how we want it, but it's not so expensive actually because it's no. in the cloud. It isn't. And it's yeah. also yeah. It, it's yeah. also fine if it, not, it, not, it doesn't happen because we have all, and so we live very much now. And we don't know what's going to happen next week or the week after. And that's, that's okay. So we don't have these aspirations of we want a bigger uh, camper van and we want to, we don't have that. It's just, it's fine how it is. If it's, it's just okay like this. And we have a little cottage at uh, Gotland in Sweden yeah, yeah, on the island. So that's, that's okay for us. Yeah. It's, it's very small and it's, but it's really cozy and it's quiet and it's actually all, all that you need. It has a wood stove and, you can cook your food and it has a garden for the dogs and and it's perfect. We can paint and draw and write poetry. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know that's part of that slow life that we that we live that or at least aspire to live. Yeah. You know, it's we think that life in itself, I think uh we call it, it's called I guess slow life, but I think it's more a normal life because if you look at society now how society is built, everything is so fast. But our human bodies, the speed that we run is actually the speed that we should be going, or maybe with a horse and carriage, but that's about as fast as our bodies actually should be going. But we've, uh, we've, we drive really fast cars and go with planes and even go off the planet now or under the sea and do all these, these amazing, wonderful things, what humans can produce with their minds, but actually a normal speed for humans, what we can walk and run. So, and when you start living in that speed, because that's about what we can manage, you start seeing the little things in life. So you start seeing nature, you start seeing uh, the little, you know, a bee that's trying to achieve something. And, you know, you really start seeing aspects in life that you, you know, that you would otherwise miss. I mean, I've done the whole thing. I've done, you know, building the company and having the estate and having, and everything that I thought, you know, the ambitions, and I can't do that anymore. And now that we can only actually live in this speed, life suddenly becomes really rich because you see and experience so much more. Yeah, and, and in older days, um, the horses was uh, 
taking, you know, transporting people in the carriage. Now we yeah. do the opposite. <laughs> we put horses in the carriage and we, we drive the horses. Yeah. It's exactly. interesting though. So that's, I think, um, that, that also, and we make pictures of all that, all those really small things that we see that otherwise would just pass us by because we live in that speed. We try to, you know, be nice to nature. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That's um, important. Yeah. And I think living um, in that slow speed is also probably a lot better and a lot easier but with somebody to walk that speed with you. So yes. you're not with somebody that's walking, that's not, you know, making, you know, um, enjoying that slow life. Because before I, I met you guys, you know, when I came up with the topic of living life slow or living a slow life, I'm like, I never really thought of it in that sense at all. Because, you know, everybody is just, you know, go, go, go. And when you go 100 miles an hour, you just, like you mentioned, you you miss so many things. And yeah. um, I suppose with, with a partner, you know, living a slow life, you get to, um, you know, catch what you'd otherwise miss, but also, you know, multiplied by two. So I think that that experience would be, you know, all the better. Um, and in reflecting on your journey, uh, what is one thing that you'd like our listeners to remember about love, resilience, and cherishing the time that we have? Oh, well, that's, um, I think, always choose kindness. Always choose kindness and love. You know, there's, you don't re really, you don't have time to, you know, all these, like, these keyboard warriors, for instance, you really don't have time for that. It's such a shame. If you don't like something, just scroll by, you know, it's, it's okay. You don't have to like everything and do something that you enjoy, you know, you just, but I think, oh, if you have a choice, always choose kindness and love. You don't, you don't have time for other things, really. It seems that way. But I mean, last year I suddenly lost my father and you think, you, you, you know, he was like still working and active and he had, a, he died of a heart attack. And it's just like that. You don't have time for negativity and, and, and actually we steer clear of that. You know, if someone wants to be negative or is not supportive, you know, the naysayers, we I try to, we try to avoid that a bit, you know, and go with people that are cheerleaders. I mean, that brings, brings energy also. I mean, aren't we all just much happier if you're, if you're kind to another or you get kindness from someone, it doesn't, it just doesn't make, make sense to be, you know, angry or, or. And to be kind, it doesn't mean that you have to roll over or something. No. Uh, you, you can like uh, just try to protect your peace and uh, mm. can deliver that message to people if they are uh, uh, mean or bad to yeah. you. Uh, also, you don't have to respond to that, you no. know. It's, if someone's mean, it says, I know it's, it's, everyone says that, but it says more about the other person than a, about you, you know. Absolutely. So, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to us to be angry or to be mean or to be horrible. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. So. But in Amsterdam, though, you were a bit. I was not mean. A little bit, maybe. <laughs> ah, okay. No, you weren't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. No, but be kind is, is, I think that's. Yeah. That's and also, I think, do the thing. Yeah. Whatever comes in your mind now, you know, do that. And. Again, like we said before, we realize not everyone can just drop everything and do everything that they like. You know, people have to work hard and even harder now with this energy crisis and have to, having to pay the bills. And, you know, I understand people can't just drop everything. But you can do little things. Yeah. You know, what you're interested in, what you feel inside, what your Holy Spirit says that, like, I, I love to do this. Try to do it in small Small areas, yeah. Sometimes, maybe drink coffee outside every day if that brings you joy. Just do the thing. Don't wait. Like in five years, I'm going to retire and do that. No, do do it if you can. Do anything to make yourself happy or bring joy to yourself, or just do the thing. You say some good things. Okay. Was one of the things your camper van? Because I know you mentioned it before that you have a camper van. Yeah. 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 Uh, the camper van is actually, it's, um, one of the only, th actually the only thing I have left from the time that I was working and I had my estate and had the company. And when I got ill, when I got my diagnose, I lost everything mm. after that due, due to, uh, the ex-partner I spoke about. And the only thing I still have is my camper van. And of course, um, 
my dogs that the dogs that live with me and my two sons. Other than that, everything, everything is, is gone. So this van was very important to me also because it's like a little home. And uh, wherever you go, I'm, I'm also always in my home. And it started actually because I can't drive very long, except for mm. when I rest. So as soon as I get tired, I lie down and then I can go on. And that makes also that I can drive long distances because I can always rest. So it's, it, for me, it's a very important um, that I have. It's, it has a name. His name is Yip. It, and, what's uh, that? Yip? Yip. Yip. Yip is his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's very important to me. So he also always has to be well because um, without Yip, I, I can't drive actually a normal car for long distances. I can only drive this one. So he's very important to me. Have have you taken any trips with, with Yip recently? Or has it kind of been uh, sitting there by the wayside for a while? No, no. We we drive between Sweden and Holland, which is about 1,200 kilometers. So we take Yip. Yip, um, unfortunately, was a bit sick recently. We had to... Mm. Yeah, yeah. He was sick in Denmark, I think. Yeah, yeah. For two days. We, we didn't enjoy that much, but he's better now. Yeah. He's all good. Uh, when I feel okay and I'm not too sick, I drive and I drive Sweden and Denmark because I know the traffic. I understand the people. In in Germany, I will not drive because they're driving fast as hell. Yeah. But she's a very good driver. So, but we stop and rest yeah, and drive and stop lot. and rest. Yeah. So we have to really. It's it's not like we just you know can go and and do the, even in the driving and we have to be careful. You know, sometimes my eyesight goes bad and like Dennis yeah. does not drive in Germany or Holland as it's very different traffic. Mm. Um, sometimes I have to drive the whole way because I feel uh, better than Dennis. And that's a long way to go, so we have to stop a lot. Um, but it's because you're in a little house, you know, it's, it's, it sleeps wonderful. It's, yeah. it's like you sleep better in, in the van than in the house. Cause yeah. I don't know if it's like the, the confinement of it. I don't know, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a small things in life. It's just yeah. this little, it's all you need. Actually. Yeah. You have a roof, you have your food. It's perfect. Yep. Yep. Not yep. 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 <laughs> How'd you come across the name? Yep. I don't know. It just, what you don't know? No, it just came. I think he just told me. Okay, <laughs> I, I thought it was something. No. Yep. He just told me. He just his name is Yip. Is actually a Dutch name. It is. Yeah, and I picked him up, and I I just Yip is his name. Okay. Okay. Does that explain a lot, Dennis? His Dutch no. name. <laughs> Not at all. It's strange everything, but if it's a Dutch name, and we actually now we are doing Duolingo, we're trying yes. to learn each other languages. It's very oh. interesting. Yeah. yeah, so I'm trying, and she's trying Swedish. Uh, she thinks Swedish is fucking crazy, she told me, but I don't think if Dutch is much better. <laughs> but English <laughs> is your first language, actually. True, yes. So, I was raised English, actually, yeah. American. And I'm trying English. It's getting better. You're really good at it. Yeah, thank you. You're doing very well, Dennis. Oh, thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Um, is there anything you guys would like to talk about that we may not have mentioned? Yeah. How are your parents? Are they okay? My parents? Yep. <laughs> it was just their birthday a little over a week ago, and they both turned 64. They were born on the same day in the same hospital an hour apart. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. How wow. nice. So you had dinner? or? I, I stopped over there for a little bit, but I think they kind of wanted me to leave. I think because they had... <laughs> They had yeah. a little a little bit of their day plan. They they went out to eat and then they went out to a local brewery and it's just like, well, I'm going to stop to do laundry in a little bit. They're like, oh yeah, we'll we'll see you in a couple of days. And it's like, there's like, they like, you know, shooing me out. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, see you guys. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I'm very lucky too because I they I can get to their house in about ten minutes, so they're not really that far away from me. That's so. nice. Good. That's great. No, I think we we do actually. I, yeah. What I think what I would like to talk about is, and I think you, I really appreciate that you talk about this a lot in your podcast is men's uh, mental and emotional health. Mm. And it's a really strange thing for me to say as a woman. Um, and I, I totally, you know, recognize there's like a lot of bad apples, you know, and there's a lot of like the whole me too scene and there's a lot of bad things going on. And there's a lot of men that misuse the power that they actually have. Yep. Uh, also the strength of men. And I also recognize there's femicide, as it's called, um, 
men, you know, murdering their women. But I think in that we're overlooking this massive group of men that um, are not being seen. You know, there's so many like war veterans that that just don't mm. know where to go. They're not being heard. They're not being seen. They're not taking being taken seriously. I see that a lot with Dennis, who has gone through things in his life that are uh, extremely tra traumatic. He's also got a PTSD diagnosis from that. And um, there, I, I know Dennis. There's things that have happened that if that would have happened to me the police would have been here in 10 minutes. There was, you know, I'd be taken very seriously. I'd been heard. A man can't call the police for those kind of things. You will not be taken seriously. They'll laugh at you. So men just have to carry this around and deal with this. And again, I recognize there's a lot of misuse and there's a lot of negativity around me, but I also think there's this massive group of men that, have, that are not being, that are overlooked and that are not getting help. Even we notice that if we go to the hospital for Dennis, you know, because his heart, he has so many, so much trouble with his heart. The doctor said, well, you, you can work now. And we're like, no, he can't. He can do the dishes and maybe walk the dog and that's it. How is, because a man has to be strong and a lot of men will go, oh yeah, okay, I can work now. Yeah, yeah. And they actually work themselves to death. They fall off the ladder or they, you know, there's so mm -hmm. many like construction workers, maybe you know them as well, that they'll work themselves to death. And you know, I don't want to generalize it's, it's, but there is a group, I think, and you must, in your podcast also speak to people who, men, especially that, that, uh, they're not being seen. How many things have we seen on Instagram of, of veterans trying to get help? They, they don't. And I think that's so overlooked. Yeah. I think in my personal opinion that, um, as for, you said, it's not talked, not talked about or, um, you know, not taken seriously. I think the bigger picture is that the awareness and the resources, at least in the United States, they're they're not they're absent. There there aren't a whole lot, and it feels like the only place that you could actually be taken seriously is uh, two things: find the right person on social media that you hope doesn't have a underlying agenda trying to get you to buy a course, or you hire a therapist and. You hire a therapist, they're, you know, they're going to listen to you. But as for anything, you know, government funded, like I, I spoke about this in my last podcast with Randy, he's in, he's in Canada. And he was telling me that they have, there's one organization up there that, um, that caters specifically towards men. And there's tens of thousands, you know, towards women. And, you know, I'm not getting any, I'm not getting any sexist in here, guys. It's just that the, uh, it's, it's just that there's, the resources, not just the resources that are available, but the people I talk about it, it's it's few and far between. And by having some resources or some people that are few and far between, a lot of people put them up on that pedestal. And then when they're up on that pedestal and they happen to say, hey, you know, I'm having a bad day, you know, which they're human. They're, you know, showing that, you know, not, every, you know, it's showing that you can have a bad day. Then people look down on that. And the guy's like, oh, he's having a bad day. What's wrong with him? He's supposed to be this this perfect person, this person, this this person that you see in your head, but it's hard not to think that way when there's just a handful of people that you could actually, you know, get advice from or that you can follow or or can be a resource. And I think that if that's if that's more widespread and there's more people and there's more programs available for men, it if I feel like you, you you try it out once and then you see that human moment and once you see that human factor and that they're not, you know, up in the clouds on a pedestal, I think people get turned off and then they revert back to, you know, rub some dirt on it or, you know, I'll, you know, I, I'll work myself to death. And, you know, it is it is what it is. And which I I absolutely freaking hate that saying it is what it is. I mean, it it is what it it is what it could be because you accept to to choose what it is and that's your perception is what it is. It's not, it is what it is. It's, it's your acceptance. It's your perception on something. And then the perception goes back to you. Uh, you just don't speak about it because you don't see shit about it at all. And it's, it's horrible. And I think the biggest point or the turning point for change is not going to have to be that there's more awareness. I just think there needs to be more resources created for men out there. And if I, if I had the power to do so, you know, I would, but you know, maybe down the line someday, but there, 
there just needs to be more resources and also more than just one month dedicated towards it that nobody talks about outside of social media, which, you know, it's, uh, you know, Men's Mental Health Awareness Month in June. That's cool. But, you know, what about the other 11 months and all yeah. those other all those other months? They, they get coverage on media. They get coverage on, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, on national television, social media, you know, books, articles, newspapers. Uh, June, not so much because you don't get the advertising dollars on there. You don't, you know, it doesn't bring the sponsorships in, but, you know, why the fuck give somebody a month when you're not going to, you know, just to have this little fluff session, which, you know, I don't say fluff session as in, you know, that it's a bad choice or that men are weak, but fluff session as like, you know, hey, you know, we care about you, but really we don't because you're not bringing any fucking money in. And that's, that's how I see, I see it as a slap in the fucking face, but until there's more resources out there, I think the state of men's mental health is not deteriorating. I just think it needs, you know, a little bit of attention and then more people, I'm not saying being an advocate for it, but, um, you know, everybody tries to raise, you know, awareness for men's mental health. Some people do a good job. Some people don't. Some people use it as, as a hook to sell something. And, um, I don't know. It seems like everybody has an angle and nobody genuinely cares. Yeah. Yeah, it's I think it's sometimes you see these these things on Instagram come by like a veteran like screaming for help. And you'll see in the comments Mm -hmm. because I'm usually go to the comment. They say, grow up, man. Like, you cannot say that. You cannot say that, you know, and and that's I think sometimes at the general level of I mean, like I said, there's things that, that Dennis has gone through that that if I would have that, I would have all the help. I can tell you. Mm. And Dennis can't go anywhere. You know, because where are you to go? Like, like what you say, where, what, what kind of resources are there? And the only therapists that then there are, are women that are, you know, there's not a specific place a man can go. And I think, um, at least I see, and I see it a lot on Instagram and I'm, that's why I really appreciate your posts, like the poetry that you sometimes post, it shows a vulnerable side of men that I think, um, people need to see that men also have that, you know, before we get all men have to be a certain way and they just have to work and man up and grow up. And they come back from a war that they've seen things that we haven't seen and, and they just have to deal with it, you know, and, and a lot of men do, but a lot of men can't. I think that's something that's really, really overlooked. That and one thing I found too is that when anybody tries to, at least in my sense, like, you know, I, I'm not the best at drawing or painting. I've tried. I kind of suck at it, but, you know, so I, so I write words, you know, formulate sentences that sound cool, you know, poetry as you will, as I, as I like to call it. But, um, you know, form of expression, um, can also be seen as I, I feel sometimes as negative when somebody tries to be real and everybody wants the, everybody wants to hear the good story until they hear what's behind it yeah and i think a lot of that is way towards mental health that like you know well we're talking about mental health but you know what's you know the driving force behind it and then actually understand it nobody wants to hear what's behind it because it's um you know that goes back to like you know you're not supposed to talk about it type thing and um the expression part of it i I think a lot of people don't express because they're, they can't take the criticism and, you know, I'm not saying that you have to make videos online or write poetry or, you know, anything like that for expression. It could be like, you know, Dennis, you know, draws and paints, you know, you, you could draw, you can paint, you could, you could write, you could, you know, you could do whatever you want. You go out, ride your bike. You maybe your expression is riding your bike or going for a jog, you know, just burning off some energy. Cause you know, get those endorphins going exercise, you know, awesome for getting your mind off everything. But until somebody asks what's behind your expression, that's when people go silent. And when you go silent, you go to a very dark place. Oh, yeah. And you know when that. you have when you have that silence and you get stuck in that dark place, it's hard to get out. And there's no resources to really get you out there that are, you know, readily available. So you have to get out that dark space by yourself. And sometimes that you're stuck there for a long time. And until there's a light or until there's a way where you can see that you can get out, it it usually happens by accident and it takes the force of somebody else helping you to get out of that dark space. And sometimes you 
you can't find that person because you, you don't know where they are. And yeah. that's why I think a lot of men are in the dark. So do you have a lot of experience with this, Michael, yourself? I do. A little bit. Yeah. You're in there. Every, everywhere. I think when somebody thinks of, whether you're a man or you're a woman, if you think about it hard enough, you know, not trying to manifest it, but you can, there could be a lot of situations related to that. But yeah, myself, there's, there's a few. Um, a lot of my close friends, I know a few. Uh, I do have a lot of friends that, that have been in the military. Um, that's a, a given. Yeah, they, it, it's, it's a lot. And a lot of times it's hard to process, but like, you know, hey, can you, can you listen to me for a minute? I'm like, okay, sure. And then I'm just like, you know, sitting there, you know, eat my cheeseburger at home, you know, having a beer. And it's just like, you know, I wasn't expecting this today, but, you know, sure, dude, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll listen. You know, that's a lot of times what somebody just needs isn't just advice or words or somebody to tell them what to do. A lot of times it's just, you need somebody to listen and finding someone that even just, you know, listens can be difficult. But if you have that person that can listen to, you know, what you want to say at that specific time, that makes that makes everything, it makes the whole world different. And that could, you know, that can get you all that darkness. And a lot of people don't think that to get out of there, they have to talk to somebody or talk to, you know, a professional resource or a psychiatrist or a therapist to get out of that spot. But essentially, sometimes you just need that, that person to listen to you and yeah. to be, you know, the feeling of being seen, the feeling of being heard that goes a lot further than just in a creative sense, or it goes a lot further in in your in in what you're thinking, because you know it's what I'm saying brings value to somebody. Whether the value to them is like, oh wow, crap, and now I know what not to do wrong, or mm -hmm. it's like, oh dude, th this this person's authentic, like they, you know, they're honest with me, and I think I'm a big uh, believer that honesty and trust is. It goes a lot further than anything else in life, whether it's, you know, wealth or material possessions or status. Uh, and that's just my personal opinion. But when you share that honesty and that authenticity to somebody, you know, like I said, even if it's somebody that just listens to you, that yeah. that can go a long ways. And until somebody finds that person that can listen to them, you're going to be stuck in a dark place. And hopefully, if anybody's listening, hopefully, I, I hope you find that person. For sure. If anyone is listening to this and is actually looking, for DM us. We'll listen every day and night, really. And, and we're not therapists or anything. We're just, you know, two people with degenerative diseases who are living a slow life. But um, if anyone ever needs to talk, DM us. And to, to stay in that dark place is not an option because... It, mm -mm. It, sometimes it's it's safe to be in a dark place, you know, when you're in the dark hole, uh, um, because you know what you what you got, what you have in the dark place uh, with your demons. But you need to get out of there, you know, and you need help, and you need to take that help or that ladder or that mm -hmm. rope you throw down in the dark hole, and mm -hmm. you have to grab it, and someone yeah. can push you up, yeah, or pull you up, yeah, yeah and that's sure. um, or else you're gonna die, yeah. Well, we're going to die anyway. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, for sure. I think, uh, again, we're not therapists, but I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people in the world that need, that need help. And that's not, not again, that's not generalized. It's all men or something. There's a lot of misuse and a lot of things that just, you know, are not okay. But I think because of that, there's a, a, a large group that's overlooked. And we're seeing that a lot. Yep. There's so much yeah. cries for help and people that are suffering are finding it hard to get through just a single day, you know, just living or like going to the job or doing, you know, meeting every day what they have to meet. Life's hard. Yeah. And, you know, when you have, when you're trying to get out of that dark place too, sometimes you could burn yourself out from trying too hard. And, um, that's also a very bad spot. Then, you know, then the, the feeling of failure sets in and then you just accept that you think you're going to be stuck there forever. And that's also a really, a really hard thing to overcome is, um, you know, trying, not essentially trying too hard, but trying to the point where 
you accept your reality, which, you know, I'm saying, I'm not saying you shouldn't accept your reality, but accepting that, accepting that you can't better yourself or do something, you know, work on yourself, that can be very hard to overcome and accept as well. I think that's what, what I had so had to bring that I wanted to bring in. Yeah. Do you want to? Bring? Yeah, I just want to say that we should be kind to nature mm-hmm. because nature is the thing we have that's going to save us, uh, the humanity. Uh, as long as we destroy it, we fight. So please be nice to nature. And also, let's not forget there's a war going on. Yeah, in Europe, there's a war going on, if somebody forgot about people it. People don't like when we say that, No, actually. people don't want to talk about the war, but it's it's a war, and people are fighting. A, they're dying for trying to make peace. Yeah, you know, they're giving up their their wives and their men and their children and their grandchildren are fighting this war so that we don't have to, so that we can sit here and make a podcast or, you know, have weekend barbecues, and they're fighting there so that we don't have to. So let's not forget that. Well, I'd like to thank uh, both of you for being on my show. This was very insightful, and I learned a lot. I hope people listening or watching this also learned quite a bit. So, Dennis and Luis, I do want to say thank you. I, I really appreciate you guys being on today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen at least one time. I'd like to thank you for listening or watching this episode, wherever it may be. If you like, please subscribe not to miss any future episodes. Again, I am Michael Hageman, and this is Allocated. Have a good day.